Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Grab your Bibles or whatever you're reading Scripture on. Hopefully you found a, a handout. You can download our app and follow along with the notes and, and, and uh, make sure you keep up with everything that's happening here at Christ Church. Um, everybody know where we are in the calendar? You've been keeping track of where we are in the year? You're looking at me like I don't, you know, <laughs> like you're confused. You know what two weeks from today is? Can we just praise God for Resurrection Sunday? It's two weeks from today, and I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too. And, and so here's what I want you to, I didn't do this at 9 o'clock. I, I probably should have, but uh, here's what I'd like for us to do. At the end of the message today, I want you to, I want you to begin now thinking about and praying for the people that need to know Christ and, and need to come to know him this Resurrection Sunday, two weeks from today. So I would, I'd like for you to take whatever you're taking notes on, find something to write it down, even if it's your, your phone or whatever you're taking notes on, and write their name down. <clears throat> and then at the end of the message, uh, bring whatever else you're praying for and bring that name. And let's pray for people who don't yet know Christ, who are not yet in the kingdom of God, and let's pray for them at the end of this, at the end of this service. Can we do that together? Everybody? Are you with me? Okay. Um, let's do that and, and prepare our own hearts, prepare relationships, and prepare in prayer for uh, bringing people to know Christ this Resurrection Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday, you'll want to go on our app and listen to the message. Uh, you know that if you were here, you know that Craig and Christine Westoff were here. They're, they're leading Akua Missions. They're with 24-7 Prayer. They're living in Tulsa now. They started their spiritual journey here in this church about 23 years ago. And in fact, they came the first Sunday on Easter Sunday. They were brand new followers of Christ, and now it's fun to watch what God does in the life of someone who's fully devoted to him, isn't it? Weren't you blessed by their time? What kind of wheelbarrow has God been asking you to get in this week? And uh, so I want to encourage you to, to pray for them, and they'll be, we'll be seeing more of Craig and Chris as they come, and we partner together in various ways in the kingdom of God. So be praying for them, we'll look forward to spending time with them again when they come back. Uh, also, I want to remind you, that uh, next Sunday uh, is expand the King, our Expand the Kingdom offering. And this is one of the things that we do as we give. We've been in a series called What Christ People Do. And we've identified six characteristics of what a person who is fully devoted to Christ does. What we, the kind of activity we do as we follow Christ and as we grow in our relationship with Him. We said we started out with a, a couple messages on worship. And we, as we become a worshiper, then we connect to the heart of God, and we connect to God's people. And then we grow. God wants us to grow to spiritual, in spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4 tells us, even as much as Jesus is mature, he enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word to become like Christ in that way. So we grow to maturity. And then we begin to serve with the gifts and the abilities that God has given us. Each one individually serving and using the abilities and strengths and power of God working through us to serve him and his kingdom and all over the world in various ways. And then we begin to give. We begin to become generous, like God is generous. We give our time. We give our talent. We give our treasure. Because God is generous, we are generous. We're made in his image, and we are generous. We've been talking about giving. Last week, Craig and Chris 
talked about the way they'd been giving their lives. It's beautiful to watch what happens when someone gives of their life and God gives through their life to bless thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of people and expand his kingdom locally and around the world. And, and so that's what we're doing here in this body of Christ. And next Sunday will be our Expand the Kingdom Here offering day, our first fruits offering. And this is an offering over and above what you normally give in your tithes and offerings. Whatever God is, leads you to give. We're going to spend some time talking about that this morning. And so that's next week, next Sunday, April 9th. And you'll have some commitment cards you can fill out. Uh, we've said this is kind of a two-year process, but we just, we'll just make a commitment for one year at a time. Circumstances change, and so, so we'll, we'll do that. Now, those of you who are not part of Christ Church, uh, you can participate or not. This is not expected of you, but you'll just, you can listen in to what's happening here. I need all of you to know that we're not doing this because the church is in some financial trouble. We're doing this because God's leading us to expand his kingdom here locally. We give through, our, our, through you, you, your generous gifts, your tithes and offerings. Um, maybe you don't know this. Uh, in December, and every year we do this in December, we do a greatest gift offering. This year you gave $200,000 in that greatest gift offering, and that gets distributed to our ministry partners. We add to that from our general fund, and we, including what we give and the ways we expand the kingdom in the Spanish-speaking community through Cristo Victorioso, downtown Wichita. Um, you are, you, this year you will give uh, this body of Christ will, will sort of distribute into the kingdom to expand the kingdom in other places over $250,000 in ways that God will use that and multiply that in the kingdom and thousands of people will be touched and their lives will be changed as a result of the way he works with people and with resources to do, what, to, to do his will, to do his will here on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, that reminds me, one of our ministry partners will be here in just a few weeks uh, Kathy and I have the privilege of mentoring about every four to six weeks we get on Skype, uh, 7.30 in the morning on Tuesday mornings here and 6, 6 p.m. in the evenings in southern India. We're on Skype for about 90 minutes with Danny and Christine uh, Stevens and we spend time with them, mentoring them and, and discipling them and equipping them. Uh, they are a part of a ministry leading 82,000 churches in the, did you hear that? Just think about that for a second. Isn't that amazing that God is, is using you to touch the lives? It's over a million and a half people that are connected to these 82,000 churches in all across the country of India and Sri Lanka and now expanding into Nepal. And Danny and Christine will take over the leadership of that ministry for, from his father someday. And we're helping to equip and prepare them for that time when they'll take, take over the, the reins of that ministry. So God is moving in, in amazing ways. And, and now we want to see how he wants to expand the kingdom here. The ways he wants us to focus here and expand the kingdom here. You have some handouts in your seats as you came in. You can follow along there or, or read through that. There's basically five categories of ways we'll use the funds who come in through this special offering and the way you give over the next 12 to 24 months over and above your tithes and offerings. We'll, this is the way we'll use that. We want to completely eliminate all of our debt. We'll turn, we've, we've got about four or five years left on that. We'll, we'd love to completely eliminate that and get rid of it so that all of the funds that are currently going to that will go to in the, king, in the kingdom causes. 
here locally, will expand our reach, will expand the ability for us to reach people in this community with those resources. We also want to uh, uh, build out some classroom space. We need more classroom space. We currently only have one uh, classroom space for adult classes, and we want to have more space on Sunday morning to do that. So we'll uh, hopefully be able to build in some more space. We don't plan to add a lot of square footage. We want to build in and rearrange some of the space we already have, close in our patio space and those kinds of things. We want to do some more signage and some, some video and some lighting. We'd love to be able to put our messages and our worship on our website every week so that as people consider coming here or they look at this possibility, when one of you invites a friend to come to Christ Church with you, what they're going to do before they come is they're going to go on our website. They always do. Everybody does. We'd love to have a really good quality video for them to watch and to experience before they come so they know what they're going to experience when they get here. Uh, we also want to expand, the, or not expand, but, but improve the building at Cristo Victorioso. They need bathrooms on the main level. Currently, their bathrooms are in the basement, back in the corner. Anybody go to a church like that when you're growing up? Um, you know, the church I went to when I was growing up, you had to leave the building and go out to another building. It was about this big. And anyway, that's the kind of building, that's the kind of ministry I grew up in. Does that sound familiar? So we'd at least like to have good quality indoor plumbing for them on the main floor of the building at Cristo Victorioso. Uh, so that'll be some of the ways we'll, we'll enhance the building there for them and the ministry that they have, uh, that we have downtown, Wichita, to Spanish-speaking folks. Um, we also have some exterior repair to do on this building that'll be quite expensive to do. So those are some of the ways that the resources here will be used, uh, and we won't have to allocate funds out of our normal uh, operating fund, uh, but you do need to know that we're in great shape thanks to your faithfulness and your giving and your, and your tithes. Uh, we're about three quarters of the way through our fiscal year, and we're running a little ahead where we, where we need to be in our budget, so thank you again for your faithful giving, your, your, the way you bless the kingdom of God, and God is blessing through you. So next week, April 9th, will be that Sunday. Um, and, and it's interesting, I've, I was thinking about this, this this week, as I have conversations with individuals and with groups as a pastor, when I talk about tithing, when I talk about giving, if I just talk about money, one of the things I've noticed is that if I'm talking to a group, often the group sort of has two different groups in that group. When, I'm ta when I start talking about money, there's a certain group, one of the groups will be people who love it. They love it when I talk about tithing, when I talk about giving, because they're tithers and givers, and they've experienced what God has done in their lives and through their lives as they began to tithe and as they began to give. Uh, earlier in the 9 o'clock, uh, Mark Keene was sitting here, and Ben Horst, I had just had conversations with them this past week about ways God has blessed them, the way he's transformed their lives Ed, Ed Joyner had one of those conversations with Mark right after the service where Mark's life has been incredibly blessed. Now he's sharing with everybody he knows about the ways God has blessed his life since he began to tithe. And we're talking about financial blessing necessarily. God may do that. This is not a, a get-rich thing. This is not a prosperity thing. This is a way that God blesses us and our lives through relationship with him when we put him first. So that's one group of people when I start talking about tithing or giving or money. There's one group of people who loves it. They go, you go, pastor, you talk about this. That's one of the, ben, ben told me this week, you should talk about this more often. He goes, I just started tithing two or three years ago, and 
I just, I wish I'd have done it years ago. So the other group, you're kind of wondering, who's, what's the other group? There are, pe- there are people, you know, some of them, let's just say they don't like it very much <laughs> when I talk about money or giving or tithing. And, and it's because um, they haven't started doing it yet, typically. Uh, it's because they haven't experienced the joy of what God, what happens in relationship with God. And um, sometimes, sometimes people who don't like to talk about money or tithing or offering and giving are people who have been told or they believe that, um, that pastors or churches are just out to get your money. And, you know, when you start believing those lies, I suppose maybe that's true in some places, I don't know, but when you start believing that, then it becomes a problem. Uh, Kathy reminded me uh, this week as I was telling her about this message, she said, well, you know, um, you're in a different group now. You're a different kind of pastor than you used to be, too. And so she sometimes reminds me of things that I need to hear. That's why sometimes I refer to Kathy as the Holy Spirit's junior partner. (laughs) Part of her role is to uh, keep me humble and uh, give me wisdom when I need to. And and by the way, she doesn't need any help. She is doing a great job. So she reminded me this week that, that I'm a different uh, kind of pastor than I used to be, too, because I didn't used to like teaching about tithing and giving. Years ago, when we first started the church, I, I hated teaching about it because I, I assumed if I started teaching about tithing or giving, I assumed that people who were listening would assume, <laughs> how ridiculous is this, that I had impure motives Right? That's, and so I didn't like teaching on it. But over the last several years, I've, I've done more teaching on it, and I've watched what God is doing and has done through the lives of people who start tithing and who start giving. And now I love teaching on it because I watch the transformation that happens, and now I get to share the stories just like I did today with Mark and, and with Ben, and, and many of you have talked. Brad Smith sitting back here. I know I won't embarrass you, Brad, but that's, that's the same conversation we've had, Right? as you've begun to experience what God does in your life as you put him first. And so now I love talking about it, and I hope that whatever group you're in, you'll love it more and more all the time as you continue to grow in your relationship with God. Um, let's look at the, what, what the word, what Paul has to say. Now, Paul's talking here about giving. He's not talking about tithing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says... Now, I, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart. He's really talking to a church at Corinth about um, taking your heart before the Lord and asking God what he'll say to your heart about what he wants you to give. Because he's asking, to, he's going to receive an offering to take those resources to Jerusalem where people are very, very poor and the church can't hardly function because they don't have enough money. And so that's what he's saying. That's what he's talking about here. So he says, I don't want you to give under compulsion or grudgingly. God loves a cheerful giver. I want to talk about that for a second because we need to realize that that's the way we've been created. That's that's why God created us. He, He gave when he created us. He wanted to extend his joy and that's who God is. He wants us to experience Joy, I think that's, you know, God came up with this whole idea of giving. I mean, we don't, he didn't have to have that idea, did he? But he wants to extend to us 
He wants us to experience the same joy he experiences when he gives. He wants us to experience that joy. So he came up with the idea of giving. He said, be generous like I am generous. We know God is a giver. All we have to do is read John 3.16. Almost everybody knows or has heard that verse, right? You want to say that one with me? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what God wants. He wants not only eternal life. Jesus said, I came so that you might have life in all of its fullness. And that's why God gives. And that's why he wants us to be like him because we're made in his image. He wants us to be a part of of the kingdom expansion he's doing here on the earth so that everyone will know, everyone will have eternal life. Everyone will experience life in all of its fullness. So he gives us the ability and the opportunity to give. I want to introduce you this morning to uh, some dear, um, I, I hate to call you friends because you're family, right? Um, Ed and Marsha Joyner are sitting here next to Kathy. I w- I'd love for all of you to come up after the service and meet them. Uh, you've heard us talk about Ed and Marsha Joyner. Um, I have sometimes used stories or experiences or illustrations from our time together. When God moved us to Florida to go back to school and prepare for ministry, he literally, miraculously moved us into a little rental house right next door to Ed and Marsha Joyner. And they're about, oh, eight or ten years ahead of us. And so they became mentors to us. And we watched them in their marriage and in their parenting. And we watched them be generous. And God began to form in us a DNA of the kingdom of God as he imparted that to us through Ed and Marsha Joyner. So I've said to them as they've come here to visit with us for a few days, I've said to them, the, the fruit in the kingdom of God you see at Christ Church is a result of your ministry to us almost 30 years ago now. And yeah, amen. Um, we, I'll get emotional if I get to go on here too much, but we so love you and appreciate the way you have invested in us and continue to just, we've done life together now for 30 years. And we lived next door. We didn't have any money. We were just, you know, walking by faith and not by sight. And so they'd invite us over. Marsha would call and say, what are you having for dinner? And Kathy would say, oh, mac and cheese. And she will bring it over and just have, we'll have dinner together. And, and then she'd take Kathy to town with her and, and she'd buy food. And she'd say, well, it's not for you. It's for the babies. And she'd buy clothes. And she'd say, well, it's not. Kathy would resist. She said, it's not for you. Don't, I'm gonna, you can't stop me from buying clothes for those babies. And that's what she would do. And she's continued to do that, not only in our lives, but in hundreds of lives in the, in the kingdom. So we're grateful for them. And that's one of the ways God has imparted to us a kingdom DNA of generosity. And we want to impart that to everyone we know because it's the way we get to experience some of the greatest levels of joy in this life. Uh, God doesn't want us to wait to experience joy in the next. He wants us to experience joy in this one. And in this kingdom, uh, he wants his, his, his kingdom to come here and now as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait for that. Um, so almost all of us have experienced the joy of giving. 
And so I want you to prayerfully, I want to, I want to ask you or invite you to prayerfully consider what God wants you to give, but not under compulsion. I want you to do it only if you can do it with joy uh, next week and from this next few months or uh, next couple of years. A couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, joy-filled giving, but first I want to talk about joy-filled tithing. Joy-filled tithing. In, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, God says, here's the, here's the instruction to us to tithe. He says, thus all the tithe of the land, that word all in the Hebrew, if you really look at the Hebrew word, it means all, right? This, thus all the tithe of the land, of the, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. Right? And it is holy. Holy means it is set apart. The portion of increase or revenue or income that we receive from God, that first 10% is holy. It is not ours. It belongs to God. And it is, it is set apart for him and for his purposes. So that's why we, can't, we can designate giving, but you can't designate tithing. Because it goes to God and to the storehouse. Here's what he said in Exodus 23, 19. He says, you shall bring, and he uses that word bring for a reason. He said, you shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. That's fairly clear, isn't it? Now let's look at Malachi chapter 3 and, use, and see how he uses that word bring again. In Malachi 3, verse 10, he said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. It's all kinds of blessing. This is a promise from God. He even says, you can test me in this. You can go ahead and nothing else you can test me on, but you can test me in this because I want you to experience what this is all about. I want you to experience what I have for you by way of blessing when you test me in this. Now, he says bring here for a very specific reason. The word bring, he says, because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. Right? We already established the fact that the tithe, the tenth, is holy. It is set apart, and it belongs to the Lord. So you can't give something that you don't own. You can't give to God something that doesn't belong to you. We return to God what belongs to him. We bring it to him so that he, he receives it from us. He receives it back. He's entrusted it to us, and then we trust him to know how to live on the remaining 90%. Some of you tithe more than 10%. So whatever that percentage is after you give. I was just talking to a group in Nicaragua. We were just there. We reported on that trip. And there was a group from Virginia there ministering with us. They brought a small choir. They did some singing at some of the events that we did. I had a conversation with the pastor and some of his leaders one day. I was talking about this. And he'd never really recognized that yet that, that there was a differentiation between giving and tithing. He said, he turned to his leaders. He goes, Guys, write this stuff down. We've got to take this home. We've got to, I want people to know that there's, that there's a difference between tithing and giving. He was so excited. He was like, I can't hardly wait to get home and talk about this. And some people say that there's no such thing as tithing in the New Testament, that it's just an Old Testament thing. Talks a lot about it in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Paul says you can give whatever you want. You know, give joyfully and give whatever you want. He's, 
But there is a difference between tithing and giving. When Paul says give whatever you want, he's really saying give whatever God's put on your heart to give so that the poor will be taken care of. But even Jesus talks about tithing in the New Testament. In Matthew 23, verse 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's kind of a tough word, isn't it? He said, you tithe. He's talking to them. He says, you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Those are more relational kinds of things. He says, you're, you're worried about the, the, the legal issues and you want to do things you can count but you don't want to do what matters even more than that, and that's love people. Be, be just and merciful and faithful to God and to people. He says, but these things, listen carefully, these things you should have done without neglecting the others. You see what he's saying here? Jesus is once again affirming that we absolutely are to tithe, that the tithe does belong to God. This is not something that's been abolished in the New Testament. Even Jesus says this is something that God still tells us to do because it has a big impact on our relationship with him. It puts him first. And when we put him first, everything else falls in place. Everything else falls in place. Uh, a few years ago, when Lauren was much smaller, much younger, most of you know our daughter, Lauren, who now has three little girls of her own, and I can't wait till she gets to do some of this stuff, this parenting stuff. Um, we were at a soccer game one day, and um, <clears throat> Josh was playing soccer, and, and we were sitting there watching the game, and Lauren said, hey, Daddy, uh, can I have some candy? I'd like to have some Skittles. And uh, so I said, uh, yeah, sure, I'll give you I'll give you some Skittles. So I got up. Now, follow, follow me carefully here. I got up and left watching my son play soccer so that I could go and stand in line at the concession stand. And I spent my money, and I bought her some bags of Skittles. Now, I have 10 bags here. I didn't buy her 10 bags of Skittles. I think I bought her a couple bags of Skittles. But I have 10 bags here, and... Um, uh, so let's just assume I gave her these bags of Skittles, all 10 of them. And I was sitting there and watching the game and watching her, listening to her, you know, munch on her Skittles. And so I turned to her and said, hey, Lauren, could I have some Skittles? And she went, no, these are my Skittles. And I went, I didn't say what I was thinking. <laughs> but I was thinking, well, you greedy little skittle grabber, you. And remember, did you remember the part where I said I took my money and I bought her skittles and I gave them her skittles? Does she have any skittles? She only has the Skittles I gave her, right? I'm just asking for a few Skittles. Just a few. 
Now, surely, only a middle school kid would be so silly as to not return to the father what belongs to him. Right? Father wants us to know know his joy of giving. He wants us to remember to put him first. And that's what tithing is all about. It's the principle of first. So that comes first. That's the priority. Now let's talk about the joy of giving. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you that you probably are familiar with. You probably remember this one. If you've been following Christ very long, you've probably heard this passage. You may even have it memorized. But I want to use it to talk about the joy of giving because that's what Paul wants us to experience. That's what God wants us to experience. So in Philippians 4.13, anybody have that memorized? Philippians 4.13. If I started it, could you finish it with me? Philippians 4.13 says, don't put it on the screen yet. Uh, It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. So good job. You know it. You probably also then know another passage of Scripture that's just a few verses from there. If you keep reading, you'll get to Philippians 4, 19. And that passage reads this way. You can say it with me too. And my God shall supply all according to your riches, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I noticed that there was a couple people in the room that said, my God will supply all my needs. But that's not what the passage says. He's saying, and my God will supply all your needs according to your riches, to his riches, to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The reason I want to bring this up is we love, as Americans, as Westerners, we love to to sort of what I call dip and snip. You know, we love to dip into Scripture, snip it out, and make it our own. And that's not all bad. At least we're reading scripture and we're memorizing it. But we need the context because what Paul's talking about here and what Paul's talking to, he's talking to a church in, in Philippi who have, has been really, really generous to him. And more than once they have sent an offering to him, over and above, a gift to him over and above their tithes and offerings to supply his needs as he's traveled, as he's done itinerant work, as he's expanded the kingdom into the Western Greco-Roman world where it's very, very dangerous to be a follower of Jesus. If you're not a Jew going to, to synagogue and participating in a legal religion, you're outside of what is legal and you're a target You're a target for Jews, and you're a target for Romans. You can be imprisoned for not either following the Roman gods or following the Jewish God, and that's what Paul is doing because Paul is is preaching Jesus. And it's risky, and he risks his life every single day, and the church at Philippi has been generous to send him offerings and to send him gifts to supply his needs so that he can continue to expand the kingdom in the ways that God has called him and gifted him to do. And so, if you read the whole thing, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in verse 14, he says, nevertheless, you have done well, too, to to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church, 
No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek, listen to this, I seek for the profit which increases to your account. He's talking about a spiritual rich riches here. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma. I'm thinking they must have sent apple pie. (laughs) An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now he says, and my God will supply all of your needs. You have given to me. Now I'm going to declare in the kingdom, in the heavenly realm, I'm going to pray to the Father who's used you to expand the kingdom. I'm going to pray to the Father to, to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an incredible promise? That's the promise we receive as we give generously to expand the kingdom. The same truth exists today as it existed 2,000 years ago when Paul was doing what he was doing as we expand the kingdom in this community. That's why Paul says to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, each one must do as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want to expand the kingdom with resources that somebody gave grudgingly. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Here's the joy of the Lord given to you by some grumpy giver. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, does it? That's why, it's, that's why he wants us to give cheerfully and joyfully. You know, we've all been served here and fed here, and so I'm asking you to give cheerfully and joyfully so that more and more people in this community will experience the joy of the Lord and life in all of its fullness as a result of the way God expands his kingdom through you in this community. I've appreciated the conversations I've had over the last week and some of the emails I've received from many of you who've said, Pastor, I am all in. I love that. I love that. I love the way you are so incredibly generous, so many of you. It reminded me of King David who gave extravagantly to, see, to, to a building fund in a building, in a temple, that he would never get to walk in. Isn't that awesome? David, it's a, yeah. I love my amen corner, man. Bring it on. First Chronicles 29, verse 3, says, Moreover, this is King David talking here, Moreover, in my delight, you see his joy? In my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have, have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. He's giving to a building project that he will never get to receive himself. It reminded me of some guys in the, about 21 years ago, as we'd started the church, we were meeting in a school building and we were trying to find land and we'd, we'd actually found the piece of property, but we wanted to find a way to build a building so that we could have a place for people to gather and worship together be equipped and I got a phone call from a a business guy here in town 
he's got an incredible story. Uh, his story is he came to this country as a Cuban refugee at 14 with nothing but the clothes he had on his back as he crawled out of the boat on the shoreline of the Florida coast. Family took him in, and he started re- refurnishing, fin- re- finishing furniture. <laughs> Easy for you to say. And he turned it into a huge business. It became very, very successful. And he was calling me because he'd heard we'd started a new church, and he'd heard that I wanted to make disciples. That I was committed to being as debt free as possible, to having. You know, to not, not building buildings until we could do it with cash, which God enabled us to do. And he, he called me and he said, a couple of friends of mine have been talking and we found a building here in Northeast Wichita and we want to buy it and give it to you. And I said, what building is it? He said, uh, well, it's on 29th and Oliver. It's now the Metroplex at WSU. It had been a church building. They wanted to buy it. It was in bankruptcy. They wanted to buy it and give it to us. And I said, I don't know what to say, except I don't think we can afford the utilities. I, I don't think it's time. We prayed about it, and it wasn't time for that for us yet because we couldn't handle it. We, couldn't, we, couldn't, we weren't ready to handle as much blessing as God was ready to give us. So I went to see him. I didn't know him very well. I called him up and I said, can I come and see you? He said, sure, come on. Come on over. I'm at the office today. So I went over to see him. I walked in his office and he goes, he grinned at me. He goes, I know why you're here and I know what you want to ask me. I said, okay, what do I want to ask you? He goes, you want to ask me why I want to do this? I said, yeah, let's, let's start there. He said, I've heard about you and your ministry. I've heard about what you're doing and I've heard about what God's doing. And I want to be a part of expanding the kingdom in a place where they focus on reaching people who don't know Jesus and making disciples and not haranguing people for money all the time. I want to be a part of that. And I said, well, I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate that, but I can't, we're we're not prepared yet own a building of that size we can't even pay the utility bill and he said well would this help and he wrote out a check to the church for $50,000 and God used those resources to expand his kingdom in this community and reach people who don't know Jesus and God's done that over and over and over again through people who give with joy and generosity because they want to participate in what God wants to do in this community. I could tell you story after story. I was just looking at all of our uh, tax stuff. We look at our statements every year, about this time of year, as we're preparing to send stuff off to the accountant, and I was just, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed now that we are able to, with tithes and offerings and giving and so, um, God has enabled us now to give about three times as much as we made the first year we got married 34 years ago. Isn't that awesome? Incredible? It's just God's amazing 
blessing and generosity and he he entrusts it to us as we're able (laughs) as we're able to steward it and manage it for his glory that's what this is all about it's all about relationship and receiving from him and managing it the way he wants us to manage it I don't know what God's saying. I'm praying that God has been speaking to your life through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit today. So what's God saying to you? Because here's, here's, everybody look up here for a second. The first place God wants to expand the kingdom is in your own heart. It's right here. When the kingdom expands here, then it begins to expand through you. There is so incre- so much incredible joy in that. So would you bow your heads and let's pray and ask God to speak to us and lead us and use us to expand his kingdom here in whatever way that is. Maybe it's praying. Maybe it's sharing the news about Jesus. Maybe it's getting in your wheelbarrow. Maybe it's giving generously. I don't know what it is ways that God is speaking to you. Maybe he wants to invite you into his kingdom, into relationship with him. That's where it all begins. Father, I pray you'll you'll do a powerful work in all of our hearts and lives and that you will expand the kingdom in our own hearts so that we can be like you are and be generous and be able to give with joy. Speak to each one of us, Father, as we receive your truth and your word. Lead us in all of the ways you want to lead us. Lord, if there's somebody here today who doesn't yet know you, I pray right now they're praying the prayer. God, I want to know you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Or I want to come back to you, Father, and I want to be in relationship with you so I can experience your joy and I can be a conduit of it. God's speaking to you right now. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for the way you're at work. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had asked Ed Joyner to come in, come and share a word of blessing and pray for us. Remember to leave your tithes and offerings, your prayer requests and boxes before we leave today so we can pray for one another throughout the week. We'll be praying as we continue to prepare for Easter. So, brother, you want to share and pray? The truth in all of this is that we had very little to do with what's taken place with these two and their family. (laughs) You know, there's a song that you guys were singing earlier that mentioned the fact that we are chosen from the womb. I'll have to disagree with the writer on that. I think scripture says that we are chosen before the foundation of the world. And so what was done here, what's been done here, was chosen in him before the foundation of the world was set in motion before even what we see taking place was taking place 
So what God has been doing has been happening for a long time. We just finally getting caught up to it. <laughs> Praise God. That happens in all of our lives. It's an interesting story in Mark the sixth chapter where Jesus has taken his disciples up on a mountain and they ended up feeding 5,000 as they were there. And then as they got ready to leave, here's the interesting part of the story to me. It says that Jesus made them get in the boat. And if you remember the story of what taken place after that, they were crossing the sea, but they weren't getting anywhere. They'd only gotten about halfway across as Jesus was watching them go across. And isn't it interesting that he made them get into the boat to go into the storm? I know there's been some storms in this journey because we've talked a few times through the years. We think we're going one place because Jesus had put them in the boat to send them to Bethsaida. But as you get to the rest of the story and Jesus sees them struggling and comes to them on the water and then finally gets in the boat with them, they don't end up in Bethsaida. If you read the story closely, they end up in Gennesaret, a completely different place. And so sometimes on our journey, we think we're going one place, but the Lord has another idea altogether. And as we watch Dennis and Kathy and two small children drive out of our driveway about 28 years ago, not very happy about the situation at the time. I wasn't anyway, they were taking my babies. Because Lauren was about two and Josh was about four and we had basically had them in our home since Lauren was born. But we knew that God was in control. See, we knew God was doing something. We didn't know what it was and neither did Dennis and Kathy. They thought they were doing one thing. But God changed that. And he did something totally different because of their obedience. Because of listening to him and knowing that that Holy Spirit that was at work in them was telling them the truth. And they listened and they followed. And because of that today, you're here. This structure is here. The work that's taking place in this community is going on and far beyond, all over the world. Because of his obedience, because of your obedience. And as you continue to obey, what will be the result 28 years from now? Because of a group of people that have come to know the Lord mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Yes. Praise God. And so these things that most people don't understand are being revealed to you by the power of the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God will come in the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. It's a dangerous thing to ask a preacher to come and say anything. <laughs> Let me pray with you. That's pretty good. <laughs> Let me pray with you. Would you do something? Would you, would you join hands across the aisles and just unify this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to 
continue to work. As we ask his blessing, continued blessing on what he's doing. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for what we see. We thank you for what you've allowed us to experience. Lord, we thank you for making us do things that, Lord, we just don't want to do sometimes. Because, Lord, you see what's ahead. We can't. You're the great architect that sees it all from above. You see all the twists and the turns that we can't. We see on a linear basis, but, Lord, we can't see what you do. And thank you that we can't. But, Lord, we thank you for bringing us all to this place. Lord, because of obedience of a few, because of obedience of some, Lord, we are able to see and recognize what you've done. And so, Lord, we give you thanks today for the ministry that's taking place here in this city. We thank you for the ministry that's taking place in India and Africa and beyond and Honduras and, Lord, places all around the world because of obedient people that love you. And so, Jesus, we come this morning, Lord, asking continued blessing on what's taking place here. Lord, we ask that the hearts of those that are here would be touched. Lord, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would continue to work inside of each and every one. Lord, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth. Lord, until you come again. Father, we thank you. We thank you for every heart and life, Lord, that has come to know you in this place. Lord, for those that will come in the years uh, that are ahead, Father, we, we know that it's already in motion because you've told us that they've already been chosen. Time is just not yet. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to work, continue to raise up leaders. Lord, continue to disciple those that are coming. Lord, that we might make the believers out of each and every one, Lord, that enter this place. Father, I ask that you bless my brother and my sister. Lord, we love them so much. They are family. God, we ask that you would give them wisdom. That you would give them knowledge beyond their years. Lord, that you would help them to lead these people. And Lord, that you would continue to raise up those that will follow. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we give you all of the glory and the honor. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless.